We discovered that there were secrets that your body was trying to tell you that could really help you optimize performance. But no one could monitor those things. And that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the world. Welcome to the WHOOP Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of WHOOP, where we are on a mission to unlock human performance. At WHOOP, our clients range from the best professional athletes in the world to Navy SEALs to fitness enthusiasts to Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. The common thread among WHOOP members is a passion to improve. What does it take to optimize performance for athletes, for humans, really anyone? And now that we've just launched the all-new WhoopStrap 3.0 featuring WHOOP Live, which takes real-time training and recovery analysis to the next level, you're going to hear how many of these users are optimizing their body with WHOOP and with other things in their life. On this podcast, we dig deeper, we interview experts, we interview industry leaders across sports, data, technology, physiology, athletic achievement, you name it. How can you use data to improve your body? What should you change about your life? My hope is that you'll leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the WHOOP podcast. It doesn't matter if you're listening to this at 37, 47, or 17. Like, go out and discover, because the more you go out and, and be adventurous and get outside of your comfort zone and go try cycling, go try writing, go try painting, go try bowling, go try starting a business, go try things. And, and if you fail, that's okay. But if it feels okay when you fail, it's probably something you can get good at. What's up, folks? This is the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed. We are recording this in San Diego right now. Uh, my guest is Steve Weatherford, Super Bowl champion, uh, professional athlete, now things all fitness, business, lifestyle, biohacking, you name it. Uh, Steve has a, an amazing outlook on life. He's a huge personality. We get into things about gratitude, about his faith, about how he trained for uh, a massive rock climbing event, all sorts of different things that we touch upon in this podcast, not to mention his WHOOP data, which uh, he's been using for uh, three years now. So I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here's Steve. Steve, welcome to the WHOOP podcast. Man, it's good to be here, man. Just talking um, off air, just kind of about how how big of a vision this has been for you for a really long time. I just want to start out by saying it's cool to be a part of building your vision um, because it serves me, people I recommend it to, it serves them as well. And like, you freaking love it, man. You yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah, you can tell amazing. when somebody really loves what they're doing versus like somebody's trying to build something because they want to sell it. Um, it's just really cool to see somebody build something they, they truly believe in. So kudos to you, man. I wanted to honor you before we got this thing going, man. It's big because you're 29 years old. 29, yeah. Pretty rad, man. No, like 30, awesome. I'm about to be 37. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, it's good to be around hungry, visionary people, man. No, I appreciate that. Look, and the, the amazing thing for me is getting to meet people like yourself who the technology has impacted in one way or another and, you know, hear your story. Um, I've, I've been a big fan of yours for a while because you were one of the, you know, the high profile people wearing Whoop years ago, mm -hmm. like before it was, you know, pretty well known yeah, in, yeah. in circles. So how did you first hear about Whoop? Um, I mean, I guess it really starts at like 14 years old, man, and having like, like you, a vision of something that I wanted to accomplish, but there's so many things that need to happen in between A and X for you to get to your dream. And so, you know, to answer your question, I have always, since 14 years old, been buying magazines because it was the internet. Before the internet, I was buying magazines and I was trying to, because you couldn't slide up in somebody's DM or send somebody <laughs> yeah. an email and learn from them. You're trying to you figure I mean? out what is optimal. And some of the best in the world didn't have books or manuals on training or nutrition or supplementation or rest, recovery, hydration, any of those things. Um, so I've always been very hungry for that. And so to answer your question, I got into it because I'm always hungry and I'm always looking for, because at this point in my life, um, I'm not going to be able to find things that are going to give me an 11% increase in my performance. It's just, I've been doing this for a long enough that I've unlocked a lot of the big ones, the big you know, ones, you know, the, 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 uh, nutrition, the training, the supplementation, but there was always a component of my training that I knew 
man, I've, I can find more than just one or 2% and me really dialing in and really being like scientific about my rest in 2019 has improved so much more than just my performance. I mean, you just think about your mood at home. I have five kids, dude. That's a lot of kids. You know what I mean? So like you come home and I have, you know, two businesses. I'm a visionary for other things in my life aside from football now. Totally, totally. I'm very similar to you, hungry and motivated and just like, I want more. And in order to get more, like you can't have the same routine that you have right now, even though if it's working for you, in order for you to to do more, you have to become more. In order for you to become more, you kind of have to find where your gaps are at. And so I've always been trying to find my gaps. And that's how I found Whoop because I was really trying to get freaking medically, scientifically dialed in on like deep rim sleep. And I tried a lot of this crap from, um, you know, not to, not to down other people that are trying to accomplish the same thing, but I tried the different products that you would get at, at Apple Store and they're just they weren't functional for me. Like I had to remember to do things before I went to bed and just like, it was another thing and I wanted to unlock it, but I wanted to unlock it the easiest way possible without adding another thing that I have to do to my checklist to optimize myself. I wanted something that would run autopilot that I could check when it was convenient for me. And I know it's always tracking. Um, in addition to starting high school at 108 pounds, I knew, which is crazy by the way, sitting yeah. across from you right now. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> I'm, glad I, this, so, I'm glad we're videotaping this because like people <laughs> need to appreciate how far you look from 108 So pounds. I was 5'8 when I was 108. So it wasn't like I was like 5'3, just this little peewee dude. I was pretty tall for a freshman in high school. But you had five, a slender eight. build. Oh man, like super, super skinny. And I was eating the same things other kids were eating and doing the same exact workouts, but more. And they were getting bigger and they were getting stronger and I couldn't, and I just didn't understand it. It was frustrating and I'm reading these magazines, I'm doing the workouts exactly how they say to do them. But it wasn't until later on in my life that I actually learned that like my body type needs carbohydrates because you hear all this crap about oh, carbs this, carbs yeah. that, you know what I mean? And I don't want to get into nutrition because I actually hate talking about nutrition, right. but it wasn't until I found out what worked for my body type and my intense um, activity regiment that I have because I played four sports in high school, two in college, 10 years in the pros. What sports did you play in high school? Uh, football and soccer at the same time. I did soccer games on Tuesday and Saturday and football games on Friday. And I had for football, they only made me come to the first 15 minutes of practice because like I told you, I was 108 pounds. So they were trying to get me onto the field, perform my skill, and then get this like reject, you know, little kid off the field. <laughs> nobody thought it was cool you were that I was on their team. Yeah, I was a kicker and a punter. Yeah. Um, but I had a freaking rope for a leg, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I looked like a bobblehead because, yeah. I, you know, you have this tiny little body and they put these freaking huge pads huge on. Huge helmet. And that the helmet was, oh my gosh, it was so big. But it wasn't too big for my head. Yeah. My head was big and my body you, was small. Yeah, you do. So my head's like bobbleheading <laughs> around. And and then I go out there and they see me kick for the first time. They're like, like okay, well, we, we can hang out with right, this guy. This is a little weird. No, I don't want to <laughs> hang out with him, but it's okay for him to wear our uniform. <laughs> but I thought it was the coolest thing ever that I got to wear, you know, like in high school, the football players would wear their jersey to school on Friday. And you guys and to do I that. thought that was the coolest thing ever because I was really good at soccer, but nobody cared about soccer. So that was the two sports that I played. And as soon as I was done with that 15 minutes of practice, I would go to soccer practice for like an hour and a half. And that was my day. Um, well, let's pause on that for a second, because I've always wondered if you take some of the best soccer players, so some of the best college soccer players, mm -hmm. and you gave them like six months of training to try to be a punter or try to be a kicker. I mean, you see so many issues in the NFL of guys missing extra points and all mm -hmm. this. Like, mm -hmm. do you think that there should be more scouting in soccer to there, for the kicker me, position? There's a lot of scouting because, I mean, dude, the, the cat's out of the bag. Kickers and punters are making $4 million a year. Think about this yeah, for a minute. It's, that's An a, NFL punter has, on average, 4.3 plays per game. So if you think about it, uh, <laughs> the most I ever got, right. got paid in a season was $4 million, And I had... Four punts per game on average. I'm making, think about this for a minute, 16 weeks and we get paid once a week. So divide 4 million by 16. Can anybody do that math? Well, you got you got four you're times really 16. So you're, you're at 64 and then you got $4 million. You're making almost 80 grand a kick. Yeah, $80,000. Thank you for doing the math. Um, I could kick the ball. You could do the math. <laughs> well, but $80,000 a kick. The cat is out of the bag, so they're doing a ridiculous amount of scouting right now, and that's why you're seeing a lot of the punters um, are starting to become 
um, all those jobs are begin beginning to be consumed by Australians because of their background in Australian rules football and rugby. They're better punting the ball out of their hand than any of us are. But when you put the ball on the ground for Australians to get the ball off the ground, they are terrible. Interesting. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, like Central America, a lot of Mexicans are coming in and just crushing the game kicking. There's you, probably five fair, or six. Are, are there Mexican kickers in the NFL right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably four or five. Okay. Yeah. So I'm mean, a little out of, the, out of touch. Yeah, that. yeah. So um, point, point being is kickers and punters jobs are becoming consumed by people that are not of this country because they're so good with their totally. It's like third nature to us, not even. Now, second. did you know that you were that good? Like, did you have a vision of playing in the NFL as a high school kicker? Um, when I first did it, like, no, I was just actually just trying to help the, the football coach because you have no idea. And you wanted to wear your jersey. I, yeah. Heck yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to be part of the cool guy club. <laughs> yeah. Um, I learned pretty quickly that that I had elite caliber because it's so it's hard for you to compare you scoring 25 points in a basketball game in high school and saying, well, if I score 25 points a game, I can play in the NBA. You can't compare those two. But a 55 yard field goal in high school is the same as it's still That's 55 true. yards. That's a great point. The ball's a little bit different, but 55 is 55, dude. Um, yeah, and actually, the NFL conditions are typically better than high school because I'm in Indiana, dude. I'm kicking the football off of like a cow pasture for a field. And, right. And there's wind um, and stuff. So to, to answer your question, people started to talk about it really quickly because my distances were NFL caliber distances. Now you had a million things that I needed to improve on consistency and blah, blah, blah. But the initial gift was there. And I feel like in life, kind of like with you. Our entire existence, really, if we think about it, if we're going to do life right, because we only got one time to do it, life should be all about discovery of your gift. Yeah. And then developing your gift and then deploying it. Hard so work. Discover, develop, deploy. And that's what I did with soccer. So I guess I guess if I want anybody to hear anything, maybe, from from this show, is go out and try things. And go out and try a lot of things. It doesn't matter if you're listening to this at 37, 47, or 17. Like, go out and discover. Because the more you go out and, and be adventurous and get outside of your comfort zone and go try cycling, go try writing, go try painting, go try bowling, go try starting a business. Right. Like, name it. Go try things. And, and if you fail, that's okay. But if it feels okay when you fail, it's probably something you can get good at. Because kicking, to me, came natural to me. But it wasn't like when I discovered it was my gift, it was like every kick that I kicked was was 60 yards and down the middle. It was something that gained, that came quicker to me than it would have come from other people. So it was a discovery for me. But during high school, during college, there was a lot of development. And then you get into the, the pros and there's still development the entire time because you have to think about it. There's only 32 jobs in the world for the job that I had. We didn't have backups. So every single year... They're looking at our statistics and the coaches are saying, hmm, this guy's costing me $4 million this year. I can go out and get a rookie and there's a hundred rookies that are really, really good. Maybe not as good as this dude, but really, really good. But they're only going to cost me $400,000. And that's the difference between NFL pro sports and major league, NHL, or any of the other pro sports. Their contracts, if they sign a four-year deal for $40 million, they're guaranteed to get $40 million. And as, as you've seen in the media with Antonio Brown... Totally not guaranteed. Even the guarantees in the NFL are not even guaranteed. So my point being, Right. is for gaining an edge to bring it back to kind of like what the performance performance and what whoop has done in my life. I know I've like talked about kids and talked about business, talked about performance, but sleep was that one thing that I had never fully dialed in. Even, even 10 years in the pros, I had a routine that worked really well for me, but I didn't know exactly why it was working well for me, but I did, I was able to create a, a routine that would help me peak on Sundays, yeah. but now that my life is a little bit different and I have different days of the week that I need to perform, um, Whoop has been really um, helpful for that because you take this NFL routine that is just like surefire and it works so good for you to be predictably uh, perform at a high level. But what about when you go into life and now you've got businesses and you're speaking here and you're doing podcasts there and you got five kids here and you got two businesses. Yeah, there. it's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. To but manage. I need somebody to kind of watch my back to let me know, hey, dude, you shouldn't be training really hard today. Well, I think what's refreshing that you're you're creating as a framework here is 
things like sleep and recovery are not just super important if you're a professional athlete. They're super important no matter what you're trying to accomplish in your daily life. And so what's been cool for me in seeing really over the last 12 months, we've started to establish much more of a consumer footprint. Mm -hmm. And so we've heard these stories. You know, you mentioned five kids, like hearing a story from a mother who's like, you know, for the first time, I'm starting to feel rested around my family at the end of the day. She's working a job and then she has to go home and take care of the kids and like. And figuring that out through Whoop Data is pretty powerful. And so it's interesting to me, though, of course, because like you were uh, a world class athlete mm-hmm. and you actually didn't have a lot of this data. Like, I think in 20 years, we'll look back on the period of time where professional athletes didn't measure all this stuff mm-hmm. as being like, you know, baseball players like smoking in the dugout. It'll just seem crazy. Like, it'll right. just seem like you've left so much opportunity out there well i mean you have to think about even you talk about baseball players and smoking cigarettes like (laughs) and 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 chewing tobacco and and nicotine that was helpful for them actually if you look at well the nicotine piece yeah for sure but and and then amphetamines it's not healthy for them but it increases their performance dude adderall was like the big they called them greenies yeah you know i mean the red Sox were like they were notorious for it um but that increased their performance and also allowed them like people to go out and have 15 or 20 beers like Wade Boggs on a plane ride and then wake up and play the next day because he would just pop amphetamines and, and get his performance. However, that does so much long-term damage totally. to your body. Totally. And now you go back and look at some of those guys from like, you hear the war stories and then you look at how their life is now. It's just not sustainable. So my totally. point being is like, I want to live a sustainable life and a lot of people get into adrenal fatigue. I've been there. I can speak from experience. And then they're taking these uppers, these, oh, I'm so tired all the time. They go and get these, oh, and I can't focus, right? I'm so tired. I can't focus. I've got ADD because I can't focus. Let me go and tell the doctor that I can't focus. And he gives me Adderall. And And those prescriptions are pretty fast and loose. Oh my gosh, dude. And then, and then that happens. And then you end up, instead of getting sleep, you go and get drugs because that, brings you up it it, it um, scientifically increases your focus you can get more things done in a day getting th- more things done in a day feels good so then when you take those drugs you associate those with productivity and productivity long term dude you can't take stuff like that so my point to, to saying all that stuff is that was me I retired from the NFL and I'm like oh I need to focus more right I already have ADHD if you haven't noticed will um, and and I I wanted to get things done, but I had all these freaking emails, all these things that I never had to deal with before because I was a pro athlete and had people take care of it for me. Now I still had support, but I had to be dialed into, you know, emails and, and, and remembering when I had a Skype call and remembering when I had a podcast and remembering because I had my own, my own ESPN radio show. I had my own Spike TV show. I was a lot of different things that I was doing. So I went from trying to be the best in the world at one thing. To like all this sudden, like I went from being a sniper to like a freaking AK-47 with all these different things I'm trying to shoot. So it was boom, 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 boom. I didn't have enough ammo, dude. And I had never had. So this to... is right after you leave the NFL. Right. So I and had like got two years of that. you got all things going on. Yeah. And, and I needed you start help. taking Adderall and start doing, trying to do too much. You know much. the grind, dude. You started this company. This yeah. company is about to be gigantic, gigantic. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a great product. But now the now the business is out to be about to be gigantic. Dude, how many nights did you stay up all night? Oh, all the time. In you the know what I mean? Stage. All right. the time. So, I mean, dude, this Seven thing, this thing is predicated yeah. on peak performance. And even the guy that's founding it and trying to take it to the wall and and, and get this thing to grow and, and become global. Dude, you had to beat yourself up to do it. And so my point being is like knowing what you know now, you would have done it differently. Knowing what I know now, I never would have gotten that prescription, even though I have ADHD. The greatest thing that I have, have ever discovered to be able to manage that is routine and sleep and yeah. not sleep like not catching up on sleep not like getting nine tonight because i know the next night i'm going to get four that doesn't work for me I, i've noticed that doesn't work for me because i'm tracking stuff now right. you know what i mean right. and so it's allowed me very similar to what i did with nutrition stop pounding my head against the wall and eating what everybody else is eating and sleeping how everybody else is sleeping because they're not me you know what i mean they're they don't need seven thousand calories in a day just to maintain what they have you yeah. know what i mean like i'm a different person yeah you got a different um, body too Right. Different body, different mind, different everything. So why would my sleep be any different than like what I discovered through nutrition? Because as soon as I added carbs into my diet, that's when I became like somebody that would be on muscle and fitness versus somebody that was like really lean. So so let's play that out. So high school, college, you're still pretty lean. Oh, yeah. Like shredded lean, like 
6% year round. And, but, but and I your was, diet then didn't have a lot of carbs in it. I was, no, like not on purpose. Because in my mind, dude, when we were kids, what, what did all the big dudes talk about? All the Ric Flairs and the Hulk Hogan's and the pro football players. What were they showing us in magazines? Protein, 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 pro. So in my mind, <laughs> that's, that's all you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Is no, of course. I'm giving me protein. Yeah. My body needed carbs too. And so it wasn't that like I was on like a Atkins diet or something like that because I thought I was fat. All of the muscle heads that I knew, all the peak performers that I knew were all about protein. So it wasn't until I like freaking educated myself. I'm like, dude, I'm having like 400 grams, 500 grams of protein and like 500 grams of carbs. I need like a thousand grams of carbs and 500 grams of protein. And once I started doing that, my body changed. So the reason I kind of like compared that to whoop is like once I started to dial in my sleep to get consistent with it and know exactly how many hours I need on certain nights because I've got a big day. Maybe I've got, you know, two podcasts and I've got a, you know, 5 a.m. run and then I'm, you know, my son's got a game at 8 p.m. It might be a crazy day like that or something or totally. maybe travel, whatever it is. I know it's going to be a high demand on me. I need to be prepared for that because if I'm not prepared for that, then I'm going to show up. I'm, I'll go to my son's game, I'll freaking be dog tired, and then that's going to maybe disappoint him. I mean, I create scenarios in my mind, but I can I can connect the dots and see when I'm rested, how I treat people. When I'm rested, um, I don't miss mistakes. When I'm rested, I remember more stuff. So, like, I don't need the Adderall. It's not good for me. I mean, it's legit, like, legal cocaine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, if I don't need it and I can do it with sleep and I actually perform at a better level and I'm not irritable, because when I took the Adderall, I'd get a ton of stuff done. But if you tried to ask me a question when I was in the middle of something, dude, I will rip your head off. You know, yeah. don't talk to me right now. You know what I mean? Like I just you're too very locked short in. Yeah. because you're not getting sleep. And so you're already irritable, but you're irritably uh, intentional. And, and that makes drugs. sense. Yeah. Like legit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Eh, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and with five kids, it just wasn't serving. It wasn't allowing me to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is, is my faith in my family. They're so precious to me. But, but when you're so geared in on getting things done, you'll do whatever it takes and then you introduce drugs into the whole mix and it just changes who you are. Um, oh, so what was the tipping point for you where you were like, okay, less drugs, now I'm gonna get sleep. Like, was My marriage it? wasn't great, you know, my business was good, but it was like, I look at the four things that are important in my life, man. My faith, my family, my fitness, my finances. Like this, I feel like all men rank themselves on like how good their life is on those those four things. Like if you make a lot of money and you're in good shape, like you're doing okay. If you make a lot of money and you're in good shape and you have a great marriage, you're killing the game. You're doing great. If you make a lot of money, you know, you're in good shape, you have a good marriage and you have you, you have faith. And I'm not saying you have to believe what I believe, but you believe in something. Right. You know what I mean? You believe in serving something bigger than yourself. You are winning because I don't know too many men that are winning the race in all four things. And I'm not saying like I'm better than other men, but for the first time in my life in 2019, like I'm winning on, on all four fronts right now. And granted, some days are worse than the others, but dude, I'm fully loaded. I've never been more productive, but I've also never been more fulfilled at the same time. I love that. Uh, so let's go back for a second. So you're, you're playing in the NFL, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was it like? Uh, what was it like being the punter? on the team because uh, you strike me by the way like being a skateboarder nobody wants to be around the punter yeah but you strike me as like a super alpha guy and yeah, when i no think doubt. and the stereotype i have for the punter is like kind of like it's not the like man not not you. great body language <laughs> like you're coming off as like the all-star uh, tight end right now yeah um like i'm picturing you doing it's an never been my identity and it's never been my identity so when i came into the nfl granted like there's 52 guys on the team and I have like the 51st or 52nd coolest job. When I go onto the field, like at least the kicker can be hoisted on people's shoulder and carried off of the field because he, he hit the game-winning field goal. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to hoist up the punter because he had like <laughs> the game-winning punt. Nobody ever wants to see you go on the on the field because if I go on the field, yeah, that means... Yeah, it's not a great, great vibe. Yeah, that, that means Drew Brees and, and the Saints were unsuccessful in the first three downs. Like, oh, here comes Weatherford. You can hear a collective <laughs> groan like, oh, when I come out onto the field, it's not me, but nobody wants to see what I'm about to do. I'm giving the ball back to the other team. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good at right. giving the ball back to the other team I am. It's just not cool. Um, so to your point, the most uncool position, however, 
because I always viewed myself as as possibility from a young age, just because I was able to see if I worked really, really hard at something like lifting weights. I went from, I didn't mention this earlier, I went from 108 pounds um, to the start of of high school. And then when I graduated, I walked across the graduation stage at 225. Wow. I'm 240 right now. So like I gained 117 pounds. I doubled my size and I did that in four and a half years. Pretty amazing, from, man. Um, it was a... A lot twice of work, a day. It was a twice a day. Yeah. And I freaking eating a lot of protein. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I was able to see from a young age when you obsess and work really, really hard at something, you're going to fail forward. But eventually, if you stay more persistent and consistent than anybody else, you will get that. Because my genetics, I was not predisposed like some of these guys I've played with in the NFL where they can like go eat a pound of bacon for breakfast, go in the weight room and just look at the weights and get huge. Like their dudes that I played with in the NFL, a fact would eat one pound of greasy bacon before my eyes every single morning. And then when we would do body fat tests, and I know he didn't work out in the off season for a fact, <laughs> he would come in and measure it like eight and a half percent body fat at 285, six foot six, just freaks. Right. Freaks. And here I am training twice a day, every day of the off season to come in at like 7% body fat and 225. And I'm like, so proud of myself. And then this dude just walks in. is just like, <sighs> just ripped everywhere. But on some level, you know, I think like he won't I, be successful after he leaves. Yeah. The NFL. That's my point. Like you should feel grateful that you were amazing. That, dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, like, yeah, it sucked. But looking back on, on what the process made me become, because it wasn't about the identity or what I became as a football player. It's like what I learned about um, vision, what I learned about goal setting, and what I learned about consistency and persistence. You know what I mean? Like totally. have the vision, have the big vision. When I was 14, dude, I wanted to be a pro athlete. And I had never even played football at that time. I just knew I wanted to be on TV and I wanted to be playing a sport. Well, that's amazing that you had that vision. Everybody had that vision. Dude, tell me you didn't watch TV and say, man, I want to be a pro athlete. Yeah, but it wasn't in like a literal way. Right. It was maybe but in But you like, fantasized about it. Yeah, like watching Michael Jordan play basketball right. made me think I should so be a basketball Every little boy, player. at least for yeah. a moment. Yeah. Maybe but it, it was... But it sounds like you had a plan around it. Uh, that's the difference though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I never made a plan. I wanted it enough to like take the action. Which is great and right. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I you mean, pulled it off unlike everyone else. I mean, why are you sitting here with me? Like you had a vision for something, but you actually did something about it. Yeah. Um, so like when we were talking about discovery, uh, development and deploying, you didn't just have an idea and be like, man, it would be sweet if like somebody made this. You freaking did it. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you hit a lot of times during during that journey where you thought it was about to crumble on top of you. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. probably more than you have fingers and toes. Um, but at the end of the day, you kept going. Totally. Um, because there's a million things that could stop you from making this thing become what it deserves to be and what it can be. But that being said, like how, what, what price are you willing to pay? Well, one of the things that I've come to appreciate, and I feel like you're totally there in life is this idea of being grateful of things that you had to overcome because in the moment it feels like it's going to break you, right? In the moment, it feels like it's it's uh, something you haven't experienced before and it's pushing you to a place that you're mm -hmm. not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And inevitably what happens is you overcome it through hard work, through persistence, per through perseverance, through having great people around you. Mm -hmm. And then you look back on that moment, at least I do now, and I'm so grateful for that challenge. Mm -hmm. But the way that that helps shift me going forwards, I think is that when the next challenge comes along, I say to myself, instead of that, that feeling like you're going to get broken moment, mm -hmm. you feel, you say to yourself, thank you. Mm. Right. Let's yeah, do this. It's perspective. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, the, I have to go pick my son up after we figure, finish this, this podcast. Like I have to, like, it, it's all, I, I believe you can hypnotize yourself with the language you choose to use. For example, I have to go pick my son up after this. To me, when you use language like that, because we all do it if we're not conscious of it. That sounds like an obligation. Yeah, that's not great. You know what I mean? No, dude, I get to. Like, he's yeah. 11 years old. His favorite thing is to be with me. Like, what a freaking blessing. I'm not saying that to, like, you know, brag if there's another dad listening to this that doesn't have a great relationship with their son. Because I always didn't. You know what I mean? 
And I'm not saying like it's because of whoop, but what I am saying is like in 2019, <laughs> I got really, really serious about bringing my best into every component of my life. Yeah. Because I was always so obsessed with one component that I was allowing, uh, I, I was allowing robbery from the other components. Like, you know, I would rob of my faith to feed my performance. I would rob of my fine. You know what I mean? I would pay so much money. I mean, we're in here right now and we were giggling about in this same building. The lady that owns this building has a hyperbaric oxygen therapy in this building that we're recording this in. Right. So I spent a lot of money, you know, infrared oxygen, uh, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, EMF bed. I spent a lot of money to optimize my performance. But in 2019, I've made that commitment to not rob of any any race that I'm running in my faith, in my family, in my fitness or in my finances. I won't rob from any of those uh, to to focus more on the other. Um, I'm not living a balanced lifestyle, but I'm living a healthy lifestyle. So, for example, if I know my family really, really needs me in a particular week, it doesn't mean I can't work out. It doesn't mean I can't get my sleep and it doesn't mean I can't get my work in. I just have to be a whole lot more um, efficient with the time that I have. Um, but before when I would, something like that would happen, I would rob of every other category to be able to make sure I'm there when I need to be, how I need to be. And 2019, I've challenged myself, um, to be healthier in all of those. And I've never been happier. And I'm actually getting more progress than when I thought I was like grinding or hustling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I listening to you, it sounds like you're at the almost the utopia, right? Like you're you're exactly where you want to be. I'm in life flow the, right now. And it's yeah, the you're first feeling time good about it. I, I've ever really been able to say that. And, you know, if anybody knew me previous to the show or had listened to my podcast, like they they know about the addictions that I've been through. They know about the you know the issues in my marriage that I've dealt with, and I've been very very open about that and vulnerable about that because I don't do podcasts to like self promote. Like I do I do podcasts to like connect with people because it doesn't connect with people if I come in here and talk about playing in the NFL for ten years and winning a Super Bowl and uh, you know making a ridiculous amount of money. I've mentioned those things, but. I only mention those things to really connect with people on, I'm freaking just like you, man. I got five kids and I got major struggles. I got addiction yeah, right. problems just like other other people do as well. Um, but there's a, a way for you to create routine in your life. And by improving your sleep, it allows me to make better split second decisions. Because when you have ADHD, dude, you are very impulsive. So if there's something that you want to do, you don't think about the pros and cons of making that decision, which is great as an athlete because you follow your instincts faster than anybody else. However, when it comes to do with business or comes to do with an argument with your wife, you don't want to say things that you don't really mean because you're caught in the moment. And a lot of times, especially for me, if I'm not rested, I am much a million times more likely to say things that I don't mean versus me, me being rested and and staying committed to the man that I want to be versus operating on my feelings. And this is I want to tie that this all together with this is pretty much a life motto for me. Amateurs operate on their feelings. Professionals operate on their commitments. And, and the way I want to draw that in is like when you wake up, when, when your alarm clock goes off in the morning, the, the way to start living your life like a pro instead of like an amateur is to just make a commitment to certain things in the day and, and start keeping promises to yourself. Discipline. So when you wake up and your alarm clock goes off in the morning, you are not feeling like you want to get out of bed. Nobody, nobody's feeling like, Hey, I can't wait to get out of bed. And if you are me and you can't be friends. Cause I hate getting up in the morning. I love <laughs> being up in the morning, but I hate the act of the getting up in the morning yeah. and training yourself. is the first thing you think about in the morning when the alarm clock goes off is like, am I going to operate on my feelings? Cause I'm feeling sore. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling insert here. Or am I going to operate on what I'm committed to? I'm, I'm, I'm committed to getting up at, you know, 6 a.m. I'm committed to getting my workout done by 7.15. I'm committed to eating this. And then when you when you start operating and making decisions throughout your life based upon what you're committed to and not what you're feeling like, that's when you start to get the exponential growth because that's how you become what we talked about earlier, consistent and persistent. How do you do that? It just It just starts with decisions. And if you filter your decisions through, is this feeling or is this commitment? that's when you start to really make progress in your life, no matter what avenue it is, finance, fitness, relationships, faith, whatever you want to do. If you operate on what you're committed to, what your vision is for that, you can't lose. I like the frameworks you, uh, you're you clearly 
consciously creating. I think a lot of people underestimate the words they say to themselves. Yeah. You know? Big time. Because you're talking to yourself more than anyone else is in your life, right? And oh, so man. and so knowing how you're speaking to yourself about all these different things, I think plays a huge influence in uh in outcomes. And and it plays a huge influence in how you carry yourself. Well, think about this, dude. You you're the CEO, right? Yeah. How many employees do you said you have? Uh, about 75 right now. 75 employees. So you would say leadership's important, right? Yes. How how important is your sleep to to your leadership? Oh, it's it's fundamental, right? Because if I don't if I'm not rested, if I've got a red recovery, if I'm run down and I have to make important decisions about anything related to the business, yeah, it's almost selfish for me to be mm-hmm. someone who's run down. And have you found it difficult for you knowing things need to get done to stay disciplined and committed to that sleep versus like what needs to be done. Well, you grow with the responsibility. At least that's what I've tried to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the very early days that we were talking about, I was more of an individual contributor. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that the output that you're delivering yourself um, carries a lot of the load, Mm -hmm. right? It's less about delegation. It's more about doing it yourself it's even less about leadership it's more about operating as an individual do you have a do you have a coach so 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 in those early days right yeah i wouldn't sleep enough like i'd be up all night i would drink a ton of caffeine like it was go 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 right Mm -hmm. um and and those other categories that you're talking about things like fitness and finances and faith and family like a lot of those fell off because of the focus on business now as the business grows and as you feel the responsibility for other people in your organization, that's for me where there was a big shift in, in literally my whoop data to be getting much more sleep, going to bed and waking up at regular times. Um, you know, I've, I've really dramatically cut down on alcohol, which mm. when I was, you know, early twenties, like was, you know, a bigger part of my life going out and seeing friends and whatnot. So all of those things, I think, you have to grow, you know, you have to grow into. Mm-hmm. And so today for, you know, leadership for me today is about the actions that I'm taking to, uh, to represent the company and represent a larger group of people. Mm-hmm. The, the greatest leaders to me, uh, cause I have a coach for almost every category of my life. Yeah. I've always responded. I mean, I've had a coach from 34 up till right now I'm 37 when I retired I wanted to be an entrepreneur, so I went out and found somebody to coach me in and be an entrepreneur. But having coaches, you know, having having a faith coach, having a fitness coach, having all these different coaches to monitor your workload, not just create your programs for you, but to the, for them to monitor your workload is obviously really, really important because you're going to make progress in that. Overtraining has been a thing. So um, That's for me, it's thing. definitely yeah. something that, that, that we can talk about. But, but what I wanted to get to you about because I'm interested is self-leadership you can have all these different coaches but to me the greatest leaders are the ones that can lead themselves and it's like i said great to have coaches to set you up for success but self-leadership and i'm curious dude you're only 29 i'm like i'm almost a almost a decade older than you are down this path of like personal development down this path of self-service in addition to helping other people. Uh, and I'm curious, do you have a coach for any of your stuff? Because I know you have mentors probably, but do you have a coach? I don't. Yeah, dude, that's some, I want to talk to you about that, man, because there's so many things that uh, that I feel like you're capable of doing that are even bigger than Whoop. And at 29, dude, getting a coach to develop those are a big deal. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm excited. You're already, you're already I'm excited doing self-leadership. Life, right? I'm excited for life. I think like... Uh, I, I'm trying right now to appreciate every moment, you know, and I get to work with phenomenally brilliant people. It's a great mission, yeah. unlocking human performance. Like that's just an incredible, uh, mission to get behind. So I think as much as, you know, your eyes in the sky and you're thinking about how big can a business be, how big can, can you, the individual be, mm-hmm. you have to keep your feet on the ground and also enjoy the moment you're in. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing it's, it's uh, it's cool you said that because that set me up for my next point that I wanted to talk about. Because we become so obsessed on these different projects, you know, these different businesses, you know, a supplement company for me, or you know, digital marketing company, or you know, these different things that I do, and I become so obsessed with developing them. There was a period of time where I didn't put any time into my personal development, and if I'm smart, I look back on my life and connect the dots. I was the person that achieved these different things. 
So if I'm smart and I'm playing the macro game instead of the micro game and like being so focused on this business, I'm going to make sure that I'm disciplined to creating time every single day for my own personal development, whether that's recovery, whether that's, you know, reading a book or whatever it is, some type of personal development, because I understand connecting the dots looking backwards that if I improve myself, no matter what I touch or what I get involved in, if I become a better version of myself, it sounds so woo-woo to say a better version of myself. But if I can become more disciplined, if I can become more patient, you know, the different things that I struggle with, if I can get better at them, whatever I touch is going to bring that with me. I'm going to bring more discipline. I'm going to bring more patience. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to these different things. So I guess that that's probably another encouragement for people listening to this is like, you're probably listening to this because you want to optimize your life, but yeah. make sure you're building time into every single day to develop in an area that you want to develop. And it could be honestly just reading 10 pages of a book that you want to finish in the next, you know, hundred days, like that you're, it's a guaranteed way to get it done. But a lot of people say, Hey, I want to read this book and they'll order it from Amazon and it sits on the table, but they don't put a plan. You know, they don't put a plan behind accomplishing it. And I think when you put the dream to the deadline, even if it's a small dream, like finishing a book, if you know, finishing that book is going to move you forward in your life or spending an extra 10 minutes, like going down the rabbit hole of, of Facebook, come on, man, how's Facebook serving us right now? You know what I mean? Like maybe take, 10 minutes away from that and invest it into something that's going to move you forward exponentially throughout your life. Yeah, no, I love all of that. And, and for you, like, what are some very specific things that you've done, uh, to hone in on personal development? Um, exactly the, what I just kind of the coaching. I mean, that's, yeah, uh, for me, it's, um, it's definitely coaching and that's not just coaching like, um, having a phone call with somebody that's trying to coach you on your certain business. I actually have, really enjoyed being a part of masterminds um, where, oh, cool. you know, you might pay, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand. I'm actually in one right now with Bedros Koulian, Fit Body Bootcamp. Nice. $50,000 masterminds, a lot of money to pay when you get in there. Um, but the proximity that you have to the other people that are in there are about the same pay grade as you, meaning you guys are bringing in about the same amount of money. So it's not like you don't get into a dick measuring contest when you get sure. into the room where they're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like we're legit. There's 12, 15 dudes in there like, soldiers because if you pay that money to get in there you're going to be committed um and we all help each other grow each other's businesses so that's something i want to talk to you about is getting into one of those that makes sense in the space that you're in and kind of the value that you bring because i know you could help a ton of people and there's some of those masterminds that, yeah. that will really accelerate your vision and just i mean at the end of the day i know i know what your answer is going to be but i want to ask you what has moved you forward the grind or relationships well, I think both of those are, are, you know, pretty wrapped up in one another. I think like uh, part of the reason I work so hard is that I also feel an enormous responsibility for sure. the connections I've made along the way and, mm -hmm. and the people with me on this journey. You know, people that you've um, you've convinced to invest in your business mm -hmm. and you're managing their capital. People you've because they're gambling on you. And yeah, and the team you know and I mean? the product and the vision. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the people you've convinced to leave their other high paying jobs and join and join your company. Uh, or or me, dude, I'm getting paid zero dollars to be here right now. Like I legit <laughs> love what you've built. No, I appreciate uh, that. And that's a, that's relationships. So, I mean, I don't want to yeah. answer the question for you, but for me, it's relationships totally. because when I create relationships with people, I try my best to provide more value than I'm ever going to ask of them. But I also have grown in my ability to receive when people want to help me because that was also all, always kind of like a hang up thing for me is I didn't ever want to be viewed as a taker. And so I would, I would always give, give, give. And then when people are like, hey, what can I do for you? But, oh, man, I'm good. You know what I mean? Because you want them to think highly of you. Um, but since getting into, you know, this coaching, because to me, it feels really similar to like being in a locker room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you get yeah. in a locker room of people that have the same mission in life and it's just it's a comfortable place to be able to grow your business because you can be full on like, Hey man, I'm freaking really struggling with customer service right now. Have you guys ever struggled with this? And then bing, 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 you got like five people giving you business solutions for the problem that you're having. It's just really powerful to move your company forward, your vision forward without requiring so much grind. It's just, why would you not learn from somebody that's gone before you? Well, you know what you I love, what I love so much about you is that you are high intensity and high humility. And I've found that that combination is really rare and really powerful. You want to talk man. about relationships. Like, that's what we look for, actually, when we hire people at Whoop. High intensity, high humility. I'm really expensive, though. 
Oh, well. <laughs> no. Is this yeah. a job interview? No, yeah. no, but I'm saying just generally speaking, right? Yeah, thank like, you, man. I received that. Yeah, because, um, and it's unusual. That That's the interesting thing, too, about high intensity, high humility, is a lot of the time when someone's super high intensity, it, it carries a layer of arrogance. Mm. And a lot of time when you find someone who's low intensity, if you're lower intensity, you tend to be higher humility. Mm-hmm. And if you're higher intensity, you tend to be lower humility. And so if you can have high levels of both, it makes you someone who's chasing answers, who's really diving deep on things. But then when a collision happens, right, when you run into someone who's got a different idea, who wants to do something differently, instead of just trying to come out of that with the idea or the answer that's best for you, like I came up with it, Mm -hmm. what happens is you ultimately come up with the idea that's intellectually the most honest because of the humility piece. And so that's where I think that combination can guide a lot of success in life. Yeah, thanks, man. I received yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of like positioned it as like, I just want to be coachable, but I guess it sounds a whole lot like uh, more endearing the way you said it. So thanks, man. I yeah, appreciate that. No, no uh, but coachable, I mean, it does take a level of humility to be coachable, right? Yeah. Oh, Period. for sure. Because you have to know that you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and you have to be willing to receive also. That's and hard. look, I think, you know, sports analogies are are can often be overplayed. But the one thing that athletes have a huge advantage of um, on other people is that you're you're often pushed to a point of failure mm-hmm. as a point of self-discovery or investigation. Sure. You know, I played squash in college. I wanted to get better at my drop shot. You know, I would keep hitting the drop shot over and over again. The more times it hit the tin, the more times I would want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. tin being bad. Right. So you, you constantly are, are looking yourself in the mirror yeah. at at things that you fail at. And so I think that does often set up people who come from a sports background mm-hmm. to skew a little bit more in the favor of, of being coachable or having higher humility. Also, they've experienced um, like mission over me, meaning like I'm a really good, you know, whatever the, the goal scorer is in squash, like that's the position everybody wants to play, but it maybe it better serves for you to be on, on the back line if you take the back line and it's mission over me and you're able to be a part of a championship to you that that can be received as man dude if i actually put the mission over like my own personal interests of like going home with the prom queen on prom night because i had the most squash goals you know what i mean <laughs> right you know what but I mean? The, yeah but again it, that dude, goes it's back the truth to... because it comes back to like am i going to get exalted because we all at the end of the day we all we want to be loved and supported and we want to like we want people to like us um, and we have an idea of like what's best, but when you're a part of a team, the person that's coaching you hopefully knows what's best and is putting everybody in the most advantageous position for the team to win. Maybe not for you to, you know, go home and get lucky on prom night, but if you win a championship, everybody's getting laid. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean, for lack of a better word. So it's yeah, like, but that, the, like the, what is your motivation if you want to be a champion or you want to have the most goals on the team? Right. You know what I mean? Totally. And the corporate analogy to what we're talking about here is if you take, I don't care, five, ten really smart people in a room and they're all very driven and they're high intensity and they're prepared Mm -hmm. and then they start brainstorming an idea or they're trying to come up with the best outcome, what you you have is this natural collision of ideas. Mm -hmm. Positivity too, man. Yeah, and there's a good energy, right? And as long as everyone in that room is approaching it with some level of humility, what you end up having is an idea meritocracy mm-hmm. where the best idea wins. Right. It's not about who had the best idea. No. It's about getting to the best idea. And that is something I think about all the time is how do you foster an environment that's an idea meritocracy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's powerful, man. I mean, it's. Um, I think that's like the next cut for, for you and your development in your life. Not that you need it. I'm not saying that, but sure, I yeah. think we all need it. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's why you're creating this podcast because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about optimization. If conversations create optimization, whether that's like people, um, you know, maybe paying a little bit more attention to the sleep versus like whether or not their their strain is is what it is, or just the language that they use. You know, like you don't have to go work out, dude. You know, wake up in the morning, you have two legs. You have, and some of the people listening to this might not even have two legs, but you have a leg. You have two hands. If you open your eyes, you got eyes. Like you get to go work out. How many people would love to be able to go push their body and strain their body, but they're, for whatever reason, they can't do it. Like when you start shifting things and and the way you shift things 
is with your language because your mind takes a little while to reprogram it, but your language, you can hear your language. You can't always, you know what I mean? Control your thoughts. Your thoughts are what your thoughts are, but you can control your language because that's an action. That's a decision. So when you say things like, man, you know, I have to go work out or I have to do this, just shift it, stop it right in that moment. Be like, I get to. And as soon as you start getting to do things, you no longer have to go to work. You get to go to work because you have a paycheck and you have this. You just, it. it is a, a small trigger to hypnotize oh, yourself. Though. It's so important. To start seeing gratitude. It's the whole uh, life happens for you, not life happens to you. Right. Right. It's just appreciating everything that happens. I appreciate being here, man. This has been fun. Yeah. So uh, let's talk for a second about uh, about fitness. Uh, you're obviously a super fit guy. What does a week of, of training look like for you? Um, it's been weird this year um, because you remember when we DM'd uh, yeah. when I was climbing that mountain? Oh, yeah. So, been, so talk about that. It's been a weird. It's been a weird year. Let's talk about that because that was actually when you and I actually started talking like because yeah. I've always been talking and the way I got kind of like um, I got connected with Will was I was really good friends with a guy that helps with your marketing in, in New York, a dear friend of mine. And he saw me wearing your whoop band on my podcast because oh, cool. you know I do video. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. Um, and he reached out to me. He's like, hey, is that a whoop? I'm like, yeah, dude, this thing is awesome. I was actually trying to like pitch him on it. The fact that he, he goes, dude, I'm working with them, man. I want to see if they, uh, yeah, you know, blah, great. blah, blah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's how Will and I initially got connected with with whoop and then when i was climbing a mountain i went and did an endurance race or not a race an endurance event for jesse etzler um jesse etzler like owns the atlanta hawks and he's just this rock star entrepreneur but i've done some coaching with him um he's you know imparted some wisdom on me on a couple occasions so i went to go support him and go do this endurance thing and i'm not an endurance and describe this describe the event uh you climb up this mountain that's 2.3 it's in uh, snow basin utah you climb up this mountain that's 2.3 miles to get to the top of it and you end up covering 2200 feet elevation during that lap and what you do is you hike up it takes about two hours and then you take a gondola down and if you do that 13 times inside of 36 hours oh man that is the equivalent so it's time so it's not like whether or not you can do it it's like whether or not you can do it in the allotted time um, so anyway, so there's some strategy to that too. So, so wait, and I so, had no strategy. Right, right. So Zero. you're covering 26 miles, uh, almost 29 miles. I, I, okay. what, I might have, yeah, yeah. I might have screwed up what I okay. said that so the lap 20, was 29 the event miles is in called, 36 hours. The event is called 29029, which 29029 is the the feet elevation that uh, Mount Everest is. So the event's called Everesting 29029. The whole event is like you're supposed to decide before the event, like what's the Everest in your life? You know, it was more or less a a personal development physical challenge. And I'm all for that because I'm not a cardio guy. That's on brand for you. Yeah, I'm not a cardio guy. So anyway. But that's kind of cardio. I mean. Oh, it is. But no, it's 100% cardio. Like I did it knowing this is not my wheelhouse. I knew it was going to break me down. I knew it was going to hurt me. But, you know, we were talking about earlier being coachable i wanted to know not what my physical limits were my everest was being alone i hate being alone i've always had teammates there's probably a reason i went and had five kids i just don't like being alone i i want to do life with other people in addition to like i just don't feel good when i'm alone um so part of my everest was i because you have to hike pretty much the entire time for 36 hours. I slept for two hours, but my goal for myself was to do three laps, which is over six hours of hiking, and I wanted to do it by myself. So I'm out there. And you wanted to do it by yourself for personal discovery? Yeah, just I wanted to be by myself. It's kind of like one of those things I wanted to get over my biggest fear. So I took myself. We started at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I hiked all the way through till 5.30 the next morning, and then I slept for two hours and then got back up at seven and started hiking again. But my, my whole point is, yeah. is I wanted to be by myself because I knew if I take myself way farther physically than I've ever been, I've never exercised longer than two hours. And here I am on like my 20th hour straight hiking this mountain at 245 pounds. Um, the first 11 hours of the hike, I ate a thousand, a thousand calories per hour and drink 100 ounces for the first 11 hours. And I still lost 11 pounds during this, uh, this whole 36 hour thing. So anyway, I was able to accomplish my goal of selectively taking my, myself to the place of being like broken, beaten and defeated mentally, physically, spiritually. And my whole thing was like, I wanted to create, I wanted to create an experience where 
I had never been more physically exhausted or mentally. Um, and the only thing that you can lean on in that moment is like your faith. And so here I am like three o'clock in the morning, I've got my headphones on and I never put my headphones on until I was by myself. And I'm listening to like this worship music and I'm just literally <laughs> praying out to God and I'm not kidding it's a great you. Image. All right, God, you know, let me get 50 more steps. And cause the air is thin, dude. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Cause we started at, too, we right? started at like 13,000 feet elevation. So oh, it wasn't wow. like we only went up 23. We started at 11,000. So you're so already lightheaded. Already lightheaded. So I'm literally like praying to God 50 more steps and I get there, I catch my breath and then I do a 50 more. So literally I did an entire lap, it took me two and a half hours, but 50 steps at a time. And so it was, it was cool because after doing that event and I only got 12 laps, by the way, I didn't finish the 13. Um, but I remember checking my phone during one of the, the, the waypoints because I was going to I was going to call my wife to check in with her because she was worried, you yeah. know, obviously. Um, and I saw that I had a DM for you and, and you're like, dude, this is crazy. I love watching your Instagram story. What's your daily strain? And I screenshotted it. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted 20, to know your strain. It was 20.3. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, dude, I, I had nothing left. It was to the point where, and I'd never experienced and this And that was in like back-to-back -back days or something. You were yeah, over yeah. 20. Well, it was, it's 30, yeah, it yeah. was, it was literally it's back-to-back days. Yeah. So I got to... Um, I had about a half a mile left on the climb to finish the last lap I was going to do before I was going to take a nap uh, for two hours. And it was the last part of it. And so I'm walking up this last part and it was the last, the, the last section was like the most safe area. And so I'm walking up this road. It's like a rocky road, big incline, but I closed my eyes and the waypoints were like, they, they had a light. So I would close my eyes because I knew I was walking straight and I had these walking sticks. But if you close your eyes, you know, you, and when it's pitch black, you can see a little bit of the, the light through your eyelids. And so I was just resting my eyes. <laughs> and, and about two minutes later, I, I, and I was doing this every lap, the last like three laps. And so I was doing this. And the next thing I know, I woke up, I smacked the ground, I fell asleep walking, because I was just resting my eyes. I didn't think I would ever fall asleep if I'm awake and moving, but amazing. I fell asleep walking, like hit the ground. And then I decided like, all right, I need, that's why I ended up taking that two hour nap. Cause I wasn't going to, cause I knew I was going so slow by comparison to all the other people that I was going to, that I couldn't sleep and still finish it. And that's the reason I only got 12 instead of 13 is because it was a safety precaution at that time. I'm climbing a freaking mountain and I can't stay awake yeah, that's even walking. That's so I, I went to sleep and that's why I didn't do 13. But, um, coming back from that trip and writing down all the notes in my phone of like all kind of like the personal discoveries uh, that I have before we wrap this show up, I want to read some of those things off to you. Yeah, do it. Um, cause I know we're probably over time, but I got to share these. Yeah, no, it's all good. All right. So these are the things that I wrote down on the plane on the ride home. Um, I'll, I'll breeze through some of them and then I'll maybe unpack one or two of them, make a right turn and don't think about it. So when you got down from the gondola, if you take a right, that means you're going back up the mountain. If you take a left, that means you're going to get water or ice cream or calories or whatever. So that was one thing that I wrote down because if you think about it, when you know, like I got done with my first lap, I mean, I got freaking 12 more. Oh my gosh. And you take a right turn, you go back up and you chip down on that or you take a left turn and get water and like, let me get some calories. You know what I mean? And that's where I screwed myself. So I'm writing these notes because these are the mistakes I made and the things I learned. Not to beat myself up over them, but like if you go and do something like that, learn from it. Totally. Regardless if you hit 13 or not. Um, don't give your pain a voice. Uh, the reason I said that is like every time these skinny little people that look like you are <laughs> zooming up past me and like not out of breath and they're having conversations yeah, right. with each they're other totally and they're like, fun. hey, big guy, how you doing? Yeah. They all said the same thing. Hey, you're not built for this. They always had yeah, not to be a jerk. Derogatory yeah, it wasn't even a being a jerk. They were just noticing that like you probably shouldn't be on this mountain. Yeah. How you doing? No matter how bad I felt, I always said like, hey, man, I'm doing great, man. Just put one foot in front of the other. Mind you, I'm dying inside. But that's why I wrote that. Um, the other thing was don't look up. Focus where your feet are at. Because when you start this mountain, if you look at how far it is to get to the top, instead of just focusing on, you know, 50 steps at a time or 10 steps on a time, whatever, whoever's listening to this, like pick your goal and your vision, but just do 10 steps at a time. Uh, the next one was micro goals make big goals small. It kind of goes along with that. Man. Yeah, it's I like, just like that. 50 steps at a time or whatever you can do towards your goal. Do that. If that's all you can do, do that. 
take a deep breath and then do that again. Because if you know if you did it once, you can do it again. And then the more you do it, the stronger you're going to get. So if it's only two steps, do two steps for 10 sets. And then you're 20 steps down. And then maybe you're strong enough to do three. Um, What's the amazing. next one? Obviously, slow and steady wins the race. I knew I was going slow as hell. <laughs> and all these people are, you know, Rich Roll, maybe you've heard of him. He's like this ultra endurance. Oh, mer- yeah, those mer- guys yeah, are nuts. Uh, just a freak. And he was flying by. I mean, always like super encouraging, but I hate him. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, being broken and alone allows God's voice to be loud and clear. I think that's kind of self-explanatory, man. When you take yourself to the end of your physical and mental and spiritual rope, like you're willing to listen. It's kind of like when when people hit, you know, figuratively the the, the rock bottom with hit drug bottom. addiction or yeah. or bankruptcy or divorce. Yeah. Like that's when we all turn to God. And this was just a cool opportunity for me to like selectively take myself of being broken so I could hear God's voice without going yeah, bankrupt right, right, or getting right, divorced. Right, right. Um, and then another thing that uh, that Jesse shared that I thought was really cool. And this, you know, really kind of goes maybe something that uh, that will serve you as well is caring about people is the biggest difference between successful and unsuccessful people and businesses and when he said that i'm like because i'm a business owner i have two businesses and i'm thinking to myself i'm like and i care about people i'm like well how could caring about people make my business more successful and the more i thought about it because he said that right before we took off and i'm thinking about that i'm like you know, my guess, my customer service is not the greatest you know um i could probably improve that because if if I care about these people, I want them after they buy a product to be like, uh, so oh, just, you know, like ridiculously yeah. happy that they did that versus like sometimes people have complaints. And I know you're never going to get rid of it. You have a tech company, so I'm sure customer service is like your By jam. the way, it's something we're trying to invest even more in. Yeah. It's so important. It's tech, dude, because you guys are always evolving. So there's always going to be things that, you know, if you try to push technology forward that hasn't been there before, you're going to have bugs. So totally. Um, but yeah, just to think about that, like how could caring about people more make my business more successful. I understand how it makes relationships more successful because you want to treat people as you want to be treated. Um, but anyway, that was just some of the things that, uh, and I have more, but I know we're almost out of time, but this has been awesome, man. No, this is fun, man. It's, it's, uh, it's great. It's great hearing about kind of all the, the things that you've learned about yourself over the, over time. And also it's refreshing for me to hear how much work it takes to under to like learn about yourself too, right? Like you're clearly, consciously doing things to put yourself in a certain situation like like this race you just did or mm-hmm. i would um, never do that if yeah, you wouldn't have done that though because i would have been in such an adrenal fatigue because i'm hustling and gunning and grinding that i didn't have now how'd you know you were in adrenal fatigue um dude just dark depression didn't want to get out of bed like i didn't care about the things i cared so much about um and it was at the point where like my wife was like hey like we need to go see a doctor. Not like, not like she was worried about my health, but she had never seen me like that, but I had never worked that hard. And it was, I think it was 90% of it was the Adderall. Cause even when it was time to go to sleep, my body was still all jacked up on these amphetamines. And so I couldn't go to sleep. And then even when you do go to sleep, you don't really hit that deep REM sleep because you're, no. you still have that stuff oh. coursing through your veins. And you probably had to take other things to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, dude, like, I was using cannabis to go to sleep and then amphetamines to come back up. And it's a lot. Dude, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's too much, dude. Like, why do you have to do one for the other? Why can't, and it did take me a while, dude, after I started like really paying attention to the statistics and all the metrics with my training and my sleep on the whoop band, it still took me almost two months to get to where I'm like, man, I feel amazing. I felt better after about four weeks, four um, weeks of no, no drugs. Oh no, uh, it's been way, way longer than that. But, but when you said four weeks, I, meant- I had been off the drugs for probably, I don't know, probably two or three months. Um, and then you started wearing whoop. And then I started wearing whoop about then. And, and I was failing forward. Cause I'd have, I was still in like a wacky circadian rhythm. Totally, so it your body screwed up. Four or five weeks to find any type of rhythm. Oh, okay, so that's what you mean. Because you know, you're you still like it takes months and months for the neurons in your brain to like get back to normal after being on amphetamines for you know a year or two. Sure. Um. So it was a lot of things that were recalibrating in my body. My cortisol levels have gotten way better. My testosterone levels have gotten way better because I have. I don't know if it's genetically or it's because I train so hard all the time that my testosterone is like wicked low. Like you wouldn't think that because I'm I'm bigger now, but you don't necessarily have to have high testosterone to build muscle over time. And that's essentially what I've done, you know? Yeah. It only took me 21 years to get jacked. <laughs> and, and, and today, what are some of your sleep tips for people listening? Um, 
probably the basic ones that people have heard. Um, I really enjoy a nice Epsom salt bath beforehand. Cool. You know, they say do it for 20 minutes. I can't sit still for, for longer than 10. But I get in there for like 10 minutes, a nice soak. No phone, because I used to bring my phone in there. Um, no phone. And then I do like a, like literally like a two-minute um, yoga thing, because I've got, I've got a bad back. So I get out of that Epsom salt bath and just a really nice light stretch on my low back. And then I like to watch an iPad when I'm in bed, so I'm not recommending this to people, but I like to watch Criminal Mind reruns because they're boring and I've seen <laughs> all of them. So that kind of like winds me down, but I do yeah, wear sure. those blue blocker um, glasses. Um, I, as I've I'm started wearing those too. I like them. Yeah, yeah. so that, that has been helpful for me. Um, and I've also been using CBD. I don't want to like recommend that to people because I don't know enough about it, so I'm not recommending that to people, but I've been using it. And I've found for, for inflammation um, and also for just like in higher percentage of deep REM sleep, my percentages, and I'm only about three weeks into using it consistently. But you've seen on Whoop more REM. I've seen more REM from CBD versus I used cannabis um, in 2018 and um, getting trying to get away from that completely. Now I'm using CBD and I've never had trouble falling asleep, but I'm always trying to find like, what's the one little thing I can stay, increase it? Stay asleep, less exactly. disturbances, more uh, I more don't have REM, problems with disturbances. I'm, I'm looking for more deep REM sleep and, and trying to find ways that I can improve that. And CBD has been good with that little protocol. And you take a pill or it's an oil? No, it's or... uh, the, the tincture. I don't have a brand that I'm in love with yet. I'm on one brand right now. I'm going to take it for a month and I'm going to try a different brand next month. And then kind of compare those metrics because CBD, from what I hear, um, isn't like cumulative. Like you don't have to take it for a month and then it starts to work. Yeah. Um, you know. If, but I love what you just said is that you're using you're effectively using Whoop to figure out which of these drugs. How else am I going to do? Which it? I don't want to go get a blood test like every month. I do that every three or four months. Um, but just. But yeah, you, it gives you, me the metrics that I want. You can only manage what you measure, right? right. If you want to get more REM sleep. You got to measure it and then figure out all the things. Yeah, I need you life. guys to figure out how we can uh, test inflammation. Yeah, because right. then CBD, that'll I'll be, have all the metrics be that our I next need. Product out. Yeah, here. man. Nah, this has been great, man. It's been such a pleasure, uh, such a pleasure having you on the Whoop Podcast, and really a pleasure meeting you in person. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. If you're not already a Whoop member, you can join our community for as low as thirty dollars to begin. We provide you with 24-7 access to your biometric data, as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, heart rate variability, and more. The membership comes with a free Whoopstrap 3.0. We offer 6, 12, and 18-month memberships. The more you sign up for, the more you save. If you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, we'll give you $30 off a membership just for listening to this podcast. For our European customers, the code is WILLAHMEDEU, and that'll give you 30 euros off when you join. For our listeners in Australia, the code WILLAHMEDAU will get you 35 Australian dollars off your membership. And for our current members, you can upgrade to the Whoopstrap 3.0 and get access to all the new Whoop Live features by following the link in your Whoop app. If you're out of contract, you'll literally get the 3.0 for free when you commit to another six months. Check out whoop.com slash thelocker for show notes and more, including links to relevant topics from this conversation and others. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me online at Will Ahmed. I try to respond to everyone who reaches out. Uh, and you can also follow at Whoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email thelocker at whoop.com with any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions you may have. Thank you again to all our listeners, to all our Whoop members. We love you.